0: You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. What we're going to do today is we're going to cover a very, very deep topic. It's one that that everyone should be um, keeping at the forefront of their minds. We're going to be talking about two things this morning. Fasting and repentance. Fasting, as we're going to see here in just a a little while, is something, is a uh, discipline that that Christians can do. The one that you want to keep at the forefront of your mind is the first part of that, and that is repentance. Maintaining a repentant heart at all times. So where we're at in the narrative here, uh, Eric preached on it, and Tom kind of batted, batted clean up, bat clean up, last week when we were talking about the leper being cleansed, as well as the, the healing of the paralytic, and Tom asked this very, very poignant question, who have you told about Jesus Christ? The leper was told to not tell anyone, but Tom asked that question, and Eric kind of kind of posed the question uh, the week before. Who have you told about Jesus Christ? So this is the Galilean ministry for Jesus that is continuing to take place right here. See, what he was doing before is he was preaching and he was healing. The important thing was the words that he was speaking. He was preaching the kingdom of God. And he said, this is the reason that I have been sent. Let me read it to you. This is from Luke 4, 43. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. He came to preach the kingdom of God. The miracles supported that, authenticated that he was who he said that he was. So that's the, the biggest thing. He's been preaching and healing he healed the the leper and the paralytic now what he's doing is he is going to begin teaching he is going to begin kingdom teaching and as we continue through Luke's gospel we're going to see these teachings get deeper and deeper and deeper and make more and more and more sense to each and every one of us so I want to read you this this first passage And we're we're going to just kind of glide over it a little bit, not to neglect it, uh, but just to to not spend as much time on it because this, believe it or not, is actually another sermon for another day. So if you would open up to Luke chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 27 and 28. This is when he called Matthew, or Levi, the tax collector. So Matthew 5, 27 says this, After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up and followed him. Now, at first glance, it's like, okay, bing, bang, boom. All right. He saw that guy, said, follow me. And then they went about their merry way. But the thing to keep in mind about this, and this is the the teacher part of me, we need to understand that this goes a whole lot deeper than just simply what's, what's listed here in, in Scripture. Because Levi, or Matthew, didn't he was a Jew. He didn't work for the Jews. Who did he work for? Rome. So, the Roman Empire, this massive, massive governmental system, if you, you let's put it this way, you don't want to get on the bad side of the Romans Because what do they do as a form of punishment? Let me spoil Luke's gospel in chapters 23 and 24. We find out torture, humiliation, crucifixion, death. That's what they do to people who cross the Roman government. So here you have this tax collector named Levi or Matthew. He is the author of the gospel according to Matthew. What he did when he followed Jesus, he risked his life. He said, You know what? Okay, I'm not going to do this position anymore. I'm going to go follow this Messiah. So, what he did was he risked his life for the call of Jesus Christ. The other thing is tax collectors were the outcasts of society, they were considered ceremonially unclean by the Jews. So, what does Jesus do? Let's read verse 29. 29 down through 32 says, then Levi gave him a great feast in his own home, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them and their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, talking about Jesus's disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I want to stop right there. So, according to the Jews, according to the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious types, they said, why are you letting the scum of society into, why are you in their home, not you inviting them in, why did they invite you in? Why are you eating and sharing a meal with these unclean outcasts of society? I love Jesus' answer, verses 31 and 32. Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I love this. Oh, I love this. Verse 32. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Yes, that that is the crux of the mission of Jesus Christ. That he didn't come to call these religious types, these self-righteous, perfect people who followed the law. He didn't come for them only. He came for people with a repentant heart, people with a true change that occurs inside of them. That's who he came for. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, before we uh, come back to this, I want to go ahead and read our, our text for today. And this is verses 33 down through 35. And this is talking about on the issue of fasting. So this is Luke five thirty-three. It says, Then they said to him, Why did the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And he said to them, Can you make friends with the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Now, at first glance, there's not a whole lot here. But what's important about this particular passage right here is Jesus, for the first time in the gospel accounts, Is foreshadowing what's to come so when he says can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them says no but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them then they will fast in those days so he is talking about himself foreshadowing but they don't understand really what he's talking about so let's get a little bit deeper into fasting And we're going to talk about here in just a second what fasting is and what fasting is not. But before we do that, I want to point out it's important for us to understand the the climate at the time, not the physical climate, but the spiritual. I don't want to call it a religious climate, but let's call it a spiritual climate at the time. See, what had happened is religion and Jewish law had been hijacked, hijacked from the original intent to where it had become. If you need a good example of this, read the Sermon on the Mount, because it goes like this. Jesus says, you've heard this, but I tell you this. You've heard this, but I'm telling you, uh-uh, they're missing it completely. And so what he's doing is he is pointing out the error that the religious types, the scribes and the Pharisees, have taken the law and kind of twisted it why did they do so because they're human beings that's what human beings do we are selfish by nature so what they do is they twist the law to make it seem look how righteous i am what has two thumbs and is more holy than anything this guy right here that's the answer that they were going around telling people they were saying One day you can aspire to be like me. Look how holy I am. So that was the climate. And these guys were in charge of teaching others. So here comes Jesus, the author of the law, said, eh, wrong. He's telling his disciples, you've heard them say this, but I'm telling you they swing and a miss. That's a big whiff on their part. They missed the importance of the law in the first place. They did this. They distorted the law to bring themselves glory. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Hold your place and go over to Matthew chapter six. So we're we're gonna come back to Matthew chapter six uh, here at the end because. There's, there's one place where the New Testament talks about fasting and how to fast. We're going to come back to that. But I want to read you where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is talking about fasting. So this is Matthew six sixteen. He says this, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites, talking about the religious self-righteous types, with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So what does this mean? They're walking around, they disfigure their faces, they put on ashes on their head, and they're, oh, I'm so hungry, but boy, I'm, I'm so righteous. Look at me. Look how holy I am. Look at the amount of penitence I am doing. I am so pious. One of these days you can be this pious. Oh, I'm so hungry. Jesus says something here. That they do that so that they appear to everyone to be fasting. But watch what Jesus says. Assuredly, meaning take this to the bank. Assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. What's their reward? People like, "Oh, oh man. My hat's off to you, sir. Wow, you are so holy. One day I can be as holy as you. Oh, wow, I elevate you. You are so holy. Let me give you another example. Still there in Matthew 6. Look over at verse 5. This is in relation to prayer. Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like, there's that word again, hypocrites. And when you take that word back to the Greek, really what it's talking about is an actor wearing a face mask on the stage, which back in the days before CGI and all of that, that's what they used to do. Actors would put on a face before they went on stage because they were playing a part. So the same word for that is the same word used here that Jesus says, their, their face looks like something, but in reality, there's something behind it. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. What's their reward? That clap from the audience. Wow, look how awesome that person is. Jesus is saying, when you pray, don't be like them. It starts in your heart, right? Same thing in verse 16. And like I said, we're going to come back to this. When you fast, there's something you have to do, but it begins in your heart. It's not an outward thing. It's an inward thing that has an outward implication. The applause of men. That's the motivation that Jesus is talking about for these scribes and Pharisees, these religious, self-righteous people. Okay, I want to talk about what fasting is and what fasting is not. And I love using good examples, even if I didn't come up with them. This is one that I did not come up with. But let's say we go out to the gun range. We go shoot some pistols, shoot at targets, whatever. We come home, what are we going to do? We're going to pull out our gun cleaning kit. We're going to clean the outside, wipe it down. We're going to clean the barrel. And the gun is clean. For most of us would say that it is clean. But if you begin to take off all of the parts with that pistol, you begin to disassemble everything When you get into the the trigger guard and you take a Q-tip, there's going to be some dirt and there's going to be some gunpowder. There's going to be some gunk in there. Versus if we were to just clean the outside and clean the inside of the barrel and oil it up, it's clean. But is it absolutely spotless? The answer is no, because there's going to be that stuff down in the grooves and all of that kind of stuff. So I have heard that fasting, when we fast, that it is essentially degunking ourselves, taking all of that dirt and all of that kind of stuff that we kind of just take for for granted, and kind of cleaning all of that out. So I've heard that, and once I heard that, I'm like, oh wow, that's an easy way to de- to describe fasting. Some people do it regularly. Real quick, has anyone ever fasted before? Okay, if you haven't, that's okay. Some people do it on a regular basis. Some people do it weekly, some people do it monthly, some people do it annually. Some churches do it annually. They start with usually the first 20 fir- 20, 21st, first 21 days of the year, they will do that collectively as a church. And some people do that. Why to degunk ourselves? So this is nothing new. So the, the issue of fasting is nothing new to the Pharisees, because they would already fast twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. They would also fast on the Day of Atonement, which is known as Yom Kippur. They would do it as an act of penitence or as an act of repentance. Their purpose was to abstain from foods and focus on God. And that's a really, that they had the, the end result Focus on God. Yes, check. But do you think it was okay? You know, Sunday night, all right, eat a big meal because I gotta fast on on Monday. Or was it they look at their clock and they're like, oh, it's Monday again. Dang. It's buy one, get one free wings on Mondays. <clears throat> Why do I have to fast on Mondays? It's it's not the original intent that they were going after. It, is, it was an act of, well, i got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Not a true act of humility. So we're going to see this uh, probably next week uh, when Eric preaches the Sabbath. When you look at the Sabbath, the original intent of the Sabbath, and you can go back in, in Exodus and also in Deuteronomy, you can see the intent of the Sabbath. The Lord said, work six days because on that Sabbath day, that 24-hour period, I want you to stop and I want you to remember, remember in your minds what I did for you. Getting you out of slavery, out of Egypt, bringing you into the promised land. Remember that on the Sabbath. Now, How far have we gotten away from that? I'm glad that you asked. If you go to Israel today, take me with you, but if you go to Israel today, there are elevators in the hotels for practicing Jews. These elevators stop at every floor all the way up, then all the way down. You don't have to push a button it will automatically stop at every floor now that's kind of a pain if you're on the top right why do they do that it's electronic why because taking your finger and pushing the 13th floor I don't think they're as superstitious as Americans I think they do have 13th floors that thank you Tom you can hit that button in the elevator that act of pushing that button is considered work work so what do they do they think back to the Sabbath well it says you're not supposed to do any work so technically we're not doing any work walking to our hotel room so that's why the elevators go up every floor you don't have to push anything that's only on the Sabbath Friday night at sundown to Saturday night at sundown is that the original intent of you saying well Looking at the the numbers, be like, I don't have to push that button, so technically I'm not doing any work. Is that true? Yes, that's true. Is that the original intent that the Lord had for the Sabbath? No. The original intent was for the children of Israel to be reminded of the goodness of God, of what he did of bringing them out of bondage in Egypt. So the same thing when it comes to fasting. We understand that there is an intent behind it, but what has the practice become at that point? Fasting is meant to humble ourselves before God and remember what he has done for them in regards to the Sabbath. But that too had become corrupt. Okay, so what is fasting? Is fasting going without food and water? In America in 2021, yes is the answer to that. Is that the same as biblical fasting? No. We're going to see that here in a second. We do that pretty much every night that we go to sleep. We go without food and water for five, six, seven, eight hours. That's why when we wake up, we're kind of, ooh, I need something on my stomach. We have to break that fast. Let's put those two words together and call it breakfast. So we break that fast every night. So if you guys have ever had any kind of uh, blood drawn or lipids test or anything like that, they tell you to fast. Hopefully they make your appointment in the morning and not four o'clock in the afternoon. But the reason they do that, they want you to abstain from food and water in order so that they can get a good read on whatever test they're they're testing for, whether it's cholesterol or Whatever. So fasting is not just simply going without food and water. Fasting is replacing the things that we normally do, that we frankly take for granted, replacing that with things like prayer, focusing on the Lord, meditation, or Bible reading. The purpose behind this is to seek the Lord, not just to do without. Not just to do without food, water, Kool-Aid, coffee, whatever it is that you drink. The purpose is to seek the Lord. Fasting is an intentional action of intensely seeking the Lord, humbling ourselves and maximizing Him as a priority in our lives. I'm going to say that again. Fasting is an intentional action of intensely seeking the Lord humbling ourselves and maximizing him as a priority in our lives fasting happens all throughout the bible people like moses esther ezra david and daniel all did this in addition to jesus in the new testament because before he started his public earthly ministry he was fat, he fasted for 40 days out in the wilderness and was tempted so in addition to Jesus and those other people that i mentioned all of them did some sort of fast and have you guys heard about the the david uh, sorry daniel fast have y'all heard about that that's one that personally i have done which was very difficult on day 1 if you're a meat eater like me Um, You you can go, and I, I encourage you to do this, to read in Daniel chapter 1 that when him and the other Hebrew children were taken into captivity, they abstained from the meat and the fine foods and ate only vegetables and fruits. And what they did after a period of, I believe I should have done my research, about three weeks or so, is their skin, they had more energy than the other people in the room. So if you hear about a Daniel fast, that is essentially where you eat uh, vegetables, uh, fruits, nuts, um, and that sort of thing. So I wanna look at two New Testament examples. We're gonna come back to really the only instruction that we have uh, when it comes to fasting, and we have it up here on the screen. The first one is in Acts chapter 13, verses two and three. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. Now this is talking about the, the church leadership in Antioch. So this is what they were doing. They weren't just saying, "Mm, you're available. Okay, let's go. They were making a spiritual decision. So what they decided to do, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to do this. It says, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent Saul and Barnabas away. So it was a big decision. So what they did was they said, we're going to replace... What we normally do, which is lunch, dinner, breakfast, whatever, whatever the norm is, they said instead of doing what we normally do, we're going to intensely seek the Lord, seek his will, not our own. Basically, what they were doing is they were clearing out all the gunk that had accumulated in their lives and saying, I want to focus on the Lord. I want to seek him to seek his will. It also happens one chapter over in Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, we have where they are appointing elders in every city. And this is Paul. He had returned from Lystra and Iconium and Antioch strengthening them that's what he was doing he was strengthening them and it says so when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting they commended them to the lord in whom they had believed so again it's another big spiritual decision that they are having to make where they cut out the stuff the the things that we don't think gunk us up and they said you know what we're going to do without that we're going to Seek the Lord intentionally. Seek his will, what he wants for these people, what he wants for these elders, these shepherds, these overseers in these areas. So we have two New Testament examples of when people prayed and when they fasted for specific reasons. Now, when we're looking at the book of Acts, can we take these two examples, Acts 13 and Acts 14, and begin to build a doctrine or a belief system around? The answer is no. Those are examples of what happened. We have to look at direct instruction on what happens when we look at the topic of fasting. So again, if you would flip back to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at the only instruction when it comes to fasting in the Bible, in the New Testament. This is from Jesus himself. Again, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And he's gonna say, first of all, here's what not to do. Then here's what to do. Again, I want to to remind you Much like everything in the Sermon on the Mount, our attitudes, our um, motivation should be from our heart, not the end result. Because if you want to fast to lose weight, do it. Do it. Fast in the earthly sense. If you want to drop a couple pounds before, you know, whatever, you can fast. You can go without food, you can go without water, or limit those and you will lose weight. If you do it for a spiritual reason and say, my end goal is to lose some weight, but I'm going to throw in kind of a little bit of prayer in there, that's the wrong motivation. The motivation should be us intensely seeking the Lord. Guess what? As a result, if you are doing a specific fast, biology tells you you're going to drop weight, but that shouldn't be the motivation. So Matthew 6, 16 through 18, he says, moreover, when you fast, and I want to point out, not if you fast, but when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So let me ask this question. If I were fasting today, which I'm not. Don't laugh at that. Some of you snickered in that area right over there. Um, If I'm fasting and I get up here and be like, oh, guys, I would love to preach today. I'm just, I'm, I'm fasting. So just give me a break. That's doing it to be like, ah, all these people out here now know that I'm fasting. That's a, an advertisement type of thing. Now, if I come in and sit over here and don't say a peep all morning, you don't know that I'm fasting. It's, I'm not doing it for accolades or for the applause, which is what Jesus pointed out in verse 16. He said, they do it for the applause. But what he instructs us in 17 and 18 is you do it between you and God. No one else needs to know. When he says, anoint your head and wash your face, he said, don't put anything on your face that makes you look to others to be fasting. You may be thinking, well, that's kind of harsh. I don't... I don't know, look again. We're, we're not going to look at the whole thing. I don't have a slide for it. But when he talks about prayer in verses uh, Matthew 6, 5, um, let me read you verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Meaning, we need to look at how it had become corrupted which is standing in the street corners, standing in the synagogues, praying so that men would be like, wow, boy, that dude sure can pray. Jesus is saying, don't do that for the accolades or the applause of men. Do it between you and God. Do it privately. The same thing when it comes to fasting. When we fast, we should do so between us and the Lord. It's an attitude of the heart. Now, I want to leave you with a a couple of takeaways. When we fast, we should, as Christians, do this. We should. How often? That's up to you. That is between you and the Lord. I would encourage every single one of you and everyone who is watching online to approach this prayerfully. If the Lord's saying, I want you to fast for a week, doing this, 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 and this, do it. It may be different for you than it is for me. It may be a 24-hour fast because of, you know, such and such. Do so prayerfully. Ask the Lord in your prayer time, should I fast? If you want me to fast, what does that look like? Should I do it by myself? Should I do it with others? Pray about it. Seek the Lord about it. There is no... um, Admonition and how or the frequency of it. Do so prayerfully. The second point humble ourselves and truly seek the Lord when we do it. Don't do it just to do it. So, for example, if there's a a church out there that says, hey, collectively as a congregation, we're going to fast during the month of February, you're like, "Ah, I don't really want to do that. Super Bowl, chicken wings. I'm talking a lot about chicken wings today. Anyways. Guess what's for lunch, Whitney? Uh, The Super Bowl's coming up. Oh, man, all of the Super Bowl foods, which that's when most New Year's resolutions fall by the wayside is Super Bowl time. And you're like, wow, I, I want to do it every other day with the exception of Super Bowl Sunday. And you start making concessions. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. Check yourself. Check your heart. Truly seek the Lord when you do it. Don't do it just to do it. The third point, make the Lord a priority in our lives. That's something you're going to hear quite often for the next couple of weeks. We have to make the Lord a priority in our lives. I can't do that for you. Tom can't do that. Dennis can't do this. Dan, Eric, none of us can do that for you. You have to do that on your own. And the fourth, have an honest attitude of repentance towards the Lord. An honest attitude of repentance. That, that doesn't just go for fasting. That goes for everything. When we have a humble spirit, a truly humble and repentant heart, we understand that God's grace that much more. We understand that we have done things against a holy God. Now, not in terms of salvation, but in terms of sanctification. That we should come into this with an honest attitude of repentance for the Lord. Because I want to leave you with this. Luke 532 he said I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance that repentance is an ongoing action not just in terms of salvation but in terms of sanctification Heavenly Father we thank you for this day we thank you for your word that has gone forth and father that we can understand fasting In a biblical sense, we can understand that better. We can also keep in mind repentance and what that looks like, that it is not a one-time action. That is an ongoing thing that should be at the forefront of each and every one of our lives. Father, we thank you for this, this revelation from your word that we understand that it is between you and I. That is the instruction of our Lord. That much like prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, fasting should be something between you and I. And Father, we just say thank you for that. And Lord, during our time, our prayer time and study time this week, Lord, we just seek you. If you desire for us to do a fast for spiritual reasons, Lord, that you let us know how to do that, when to do that, but also keep in in mind why. We're doing that. Maybe we need to spend more time with you. Maybe we need to not just continue to coast in our faith, which I think all of us are guilty of from time to time. Lord, we don't want to do that. We want to be intentional about our faith and making you a priority in our lives. And Lord, we just ask that you give us the strength to walk that out. We love you with all of our hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask this. And amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tonti Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship WA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.